You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. starts or oh, they come out of the blocks flying they get involved in different goals and then they go hard in their direction and then all of a sudden they wake and they're lost they're nowhere it looked good from the beginning then all of a sudden you look around and all this frantic confusion and all this problems that are going on you look around and there's someone who's just sailing along and they're happy and they're confident and they're moving along you're like what that's because they're resting in the Lord and they're trusting in the Lord We all have had a job where a new person starts and they come out the gate running hard and fast. They seem like they can't be stopped. Then they seem to lose motivation. New Christians can be the same way. Start with a fire and passion and then fade. As Pastor Dave reminds us, the way to maintain that fire is to rest in the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 22 as he continues his message, Paul's Apologia, The Final Straw. People want to see that which is real. They're tired of phonies. People are tired of phonies. They've been led by phonies all their lives. The whole world has tricked us into believing the lie. They have tricked us to believing in the lie. You want to know what clothes to wear? Turn on TV, they'll tell you. You know what car to buy? Turn on TV, they'll tell you. You want to know how to smell pretty? Turn on TV, they'll tell you. TV tells us everything we need to know. You want to get the girl or guy of your dreams? Turn on TV, they'll tell you. You want to buy a diamond? Go to Jared's. TV told me. The world has filled our hearts and our minds with garbage, and we're believing the lie. We're believing the lie, and I think I've told this venue before. Pardon me if I digress, but eventually we'll be singing Christmas carols. Yeah, eventually, down the pike, sooner than you think. But the one thing that bugs me most of all is that crazy Christmas commercial where the girl is outside and the whole family's out there and there's a bow around this little car and she's all happy and she's all glad and all of a sudden she turns around and here comes this brand new big old car by and there's a want in her heart well, I want to smack that girl right in the face but that's what the world tells you the world says what you have ain't good enough who you are aren't good enough you got to be this person you got to be that person the word believing the lie and we're sucked into it. The world needs to see real. And the world needs to see a real Jesus in us, in you. They need to see that. That draws them. See, Christianity is contagious. It's caught. Christianity is caught. As they see the actions in you, they go, I want that. I want that. I want that. Remember we talked about, I think it was last week, about the guy in the... um, in the prison camp, we talked about the guy in the prison camp and, and the way he acted and the way he felt about Christ and the way he treated his aggressors and stuff like that. The men, his own men said, I could love a God like that. That's what they want. They need to see real. But we don't know what's going into their mind and we want, we want to know desperately. 
They don't want a phony, watered-down gospel. Oh, everything's going to be okay. Let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya. Everything's going to be great. They don't need a watered-down gospel. I call that the gospel. It's nothing. They need a true gospel, a true gospel that comes from the Bible. They need the Word of God in their hearts, and they need to know that. And, and God has called us to show that. God has called us to show that. I digress. As we look at today's scriptures, we see Paul still reviewing what Ananias said to him as we look in verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Washed away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. What a great question. What are you sitting around for, Paul? You've been born again. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I know Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit? Tells me so in Acts 9, 17. Tells me Paul was already filled with the Holy Spirit before he got there. What are you waiting for? What's stopping you from being baptized? Why shouldn't you be baptized? You know, I love this because this is a similar question that Philip was posed to by the Ethiopian. Remember when in, in Acts 8, Philip goes to the desert and he sees the Ethiopian eunuch and he's sitting there and he's reading Isaiah and, and Philip comes by the Lord and the Lord pushes him up there and he, ex he explains Isaiah to him. And Ethiopian wants to be born again. He wants to know this God. And he says, what keeps me from being baptized? He says in, in Acts 8, what keeps me from being baptized? And Philip answers, if you believe in your heart, you may. Ah. Paul wrote to the Roman believers in Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And listen to the Ethiopian's answer in Acts 8, verse 37. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Boom, he's born again. Now comes baptism. Born again, and then he is baptized. In the next verse, in the very, very next verse in 38, He's baptized by Philip. Baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of what has happened inside. It's an outward expression. It's, it's showing your faith in Christ before everybody would see. It is not necessary for salvation, as some would say. There are groups that say you have to be baptized in order to be saved. It's not necessary. Jesus commanded us to be baptized. He commanded us to be baptized. But time and time and time again in Scripture, it's proven that you do not have to be baptized to be saved. When we are baptized, we are baptized by faith into the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he commanded us to do so. Paul writes in Romans 6, 1 through 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were, as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to th sin. Baptism, representing the death of the fleshly life, the old life, the old nature, the old ambitions, the old desires, they're dead, buried with Christ, coming out of the water in the newness of Christ, the new man, the newness that we have. That's the representation. Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. This is the message of the entire Word of God, that the spiritual life always outweighs the fleshly life. The spiritual life is always that which is better than the fleshly life. How do we get that spiritual life? It's a life that's only obtained by a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's how we get that new life. 
In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said to the disciples that I've come, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The abundant life is found only by living and walking in the Holy Spirit. The abundant life is found by living and walking in the Holy Spirit. Paul calls upon the name of the Lord. He is born again, and then he is baptized. Now, as we previously studied, when we look at Acts 16 and 17 in chapter 22, there's a gap of approximately three years there. We've studied this before when we went through Acts 9. When Paul is born again, when Paul is baptized, he stays a little while in Damascus, then he goes to Arabia. He's there for at least three years. And then he comes back to town, there's a big ruckus, and they have to lower him down in a basket. He becomes the first basket case. It was a cheap joke, I had to say it. But after that, he returns, to, he returns to Damascus. And then you can read all that. Then he goes to Jerusalem. You can go back and read Acts 9. You can also read Galatians 1, 11 through 24, and that puts all those pieces together for you. But upon Paul's return to Jerusalem, he's in the temple and he's praying. He's in the temple and he's praying. Again, he's telling these guys, hey, I was in the temple. I'm a good Jew. I go to temple. He's trying to relate to them. But he's in a trance and the Lord speaks again. Look at verses 17 and 18 in Acts 22. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple. I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning to me. Upon Paul's return, he goes in there, he sees this. The Lord told Paul at that time, leave Jerusalem. These people won't receive your witness. And we know that Paul will avoid death by leaving and obeying the Lord's command. Again, Acts 9, 29 and 30. You can read that for yourselves. But Paul thought he had a better idea. He must have been like four. He had a better idea. And Paul said, wait a minute, Lord. Well, it's almost like he said, not so. Look at verses 19 and 20. So I said, Lord... They know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death, guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Paul's saying, Lord, I got it all covered. I got it all planned out, Lord. This is the way we're going to do it. Paul thought he could still win people to Christ, so he debated with the Lord. I know you never have been debated with the Lord. I know that because you guys are great. I've debated with the Lord many, many times, got the scars and bruises to prove it. I've debated with the Lord, but anytime you would debate with the Lord, it's a, it's a really crazy thing to do. But, but he thought he could do this. He thought Jerusalem would see this new person that he'd become. Many scholars believe that Paul was trying to compensate for Stephen's death. Many scholars believe that Paul was trying to, to take back some of the damage he did. You know, sometimes we think we have a better plan than the Lord. I mean, after all, we know best for our lives, right? We argue with the Lord. We try to correct him. Now, I don't want to go that way, Lord. This will work. Come on, this will work. I know I want this. This will work. But in Isaiah, he makes it quite clear when he tells Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. We learn in that beautiful verse in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. What's he talking about? Trust in the one, capital letter, who knows the end since the beginning. The one, capital O, who knows every situation that you're facing or going to face. The one who knows every pitfall that you're going to fall in today, tomorrow, and the next day. 
He says, don't lead on your own understanding. And this is where the Spirit comes in. This is where the Spirit-filled life comes in. Don't lead on your own understanding. When we're trusting in the Lord, we're being led by the Holy Spirit. That inspires great confidence. When I know that I'm walking in the Spirit, I have great confidence in my walk. I know I'm on the right path. Now, let me clarify something right now. The right path may not be the easiest path. The right path may not be the easiest way. Trust me on this. But the right path will always lead to glory and always lead to the glory of God. It will always lead that way. And I guarantee when you're on the right path, you will have confidence. You will have peace. You will lead to your desires, goal, and it will glorify God. We need direction today. We need direction today. As I said, the Lord is in a situation that's so confusing. Everybody's lost a sense of direction in the world. It's like being out in the middle of ocean without a navigation system. You don't know where east is. You don't know where west is. You don't know where north is. You don't know where south is. You're just out there drifting aimlessly around, bobbing around, just kind of doing nothing. That's what's happening in the world today. There's no direction. There's no direction at all. But we've been sold a bill of goods, and this bill of goods is nothing but confusion, nothing but hurt. We see people make good starts. Oh, they come out of the blocks flying. They get involved in different goals, and then they go hard in their direction, and then all of a sudden they wake and they're lost. They're nowhere. It looked good from the beginning. And then all of a sudden you look around, and all this frantic confusion, and all these problems that are going on, you look around, and there's someone who's just sailing along, and they're happy, and they're confident, and they're moving along. You're like, what? That's because they're resting in the Lord, and they're trusting in the Lord. It's amazing. You're out in the middle of the water, and this person comes by in this dinghy, and they're whistling a happy tune, and they're moving, and they're cruising at a great speed. Their hand isn't even on the rudder. And they're moving along. And you're like, wait a minute. What's going on? The Lord will direct my path. Great movie with John Wayne, and it said, the Lord is my co-pilot. God is my co-pilot. Well, I'm here to tell you, if God's your co-pilot, you're in the wrong plane. If God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong plane. God is the pilot. He is the pilot. I am but a passenger. Been my pilot one time. I was the pilot for a while. Crashed and burned. It wasn't pretty. Was not pretty. You know, Paul understood this, and he followed the Lord's command, leaving Jerusalem for greener pastures. And then look at verse 21. Then he said to me, Jesus is speaking to Paul, and Paul is now speaking to this massive group in front of me. Depart from me, for for I will send you from here far away to the Gentiles. Oops. Oops. One too many straws there, Paul. One too many straws on the pile. When he said the word Gentiles to the Jews, this was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Everything was going great for Paul. He had him eating right out of the palm of his hand. He was getting ready to really wail him and, and give him the gospel until he went and said the G word. Gentiles. Yeah. That was all they could stand. They couldn't stand no more. They were done. It was like waving a red flag in front of a bull. They were incest. They were crazy. They yelled and they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it's not fit to live. How come people are always looking for that one word? 
Have you ever been witnessing to somebody and you think you're getting somewhere and you think that things are going good and they're listening to you and they're listening to you and all of a sudden you say that one word, boom, you're done. I feel that way sometimes. I feel like as a pastor, sometimes people are waiting for me just to say that one word so they go, and bristle and moan and groan. They're just waiting for that one word so they can say, gotcha. If I haven't messed up, hang around. I'm let you down, sure enough. Paul said the one word. He said the Gentiles. He said Gentiles to these Jewish group. These guys in Jerusalem had all the proof they needed from Paul's own mouth. Gentiles, yuck. Remember one of the problems with the Jerusalem church? One of the four things that we said the Jerusalem church was weakened by? We said they were weakened by rumors. We said they were weakened, weakened by legalism. We said that it was weakened by prejudice. Remember? Prejudice? This prejudicial attitude, this great monstrous prejudicial attitude that they had towards the Gentiles comes roaring out. <laughs> Gentiles, yeah, we know about this Jesus. Some of us believe, but Gentiles in our midst? Not on our watch. No devout Jew would have anything to do with Gentiles. Give them the law. Make them be circumcised. Make them become a Jew. Then maybe they can receive salvation. Do you ever notice how we put stumbling blocks on people coming to the Lord? You ever notice how we ourselves put these stumbling blocks in people to come to the Lord? We always put these blocks up there, and it's like every time they get up on a block, we put another one there. That's what's happening here. You know, sometimes it's as if we determine who is fit for the kingdom and who is not. Like, we have that ability to, to who is fit for the kingdom and who is not fit for the kingdom. God forbid. I got some bad news for all of you. None of us are fit for the kingdom. None of us are fit for the kingdom. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's only by the grace of God that we even come in to the kingdom. Only by his grace and his mercy. But what I love about Paul here is his faithfulness to the witness. He didn't back down. Paul stayed true to his witness. He stayed true. And this is what happened, and I love it. He said, this is what happened, this is the way it worked, and this is it, and this is who said it. The cost didn't matter to Paul. The cost didn't matter to Paul. Remember what he said in, 20, in verse 13 of chapter 21 when he was talking to the guys who didn't want him to go to Jerusalem? He said, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul didn't care what the cost was. He was going to deliver the gospel message to anyone that will listen. He didn't care what the cost was. He didn't care. Paul was ready to give up his life for Jesus Christ. We can't even offend a few friends for Christ. We can't even tell a few friends about Christ and offend them. We can't even do that, but Paul would die for Christ. Well, we can't do that. We can't talk to our families about Christ because they'll be offended. Well, Paul knew the cost. And you're saying, yeah, I know, Dave, but Paul was an apostle. He was called. Dave, I know what Paul did, but Paul was called. Would you tell me one thing? What did Paul have that we don't have? Did Paul have a different Holy Spirit dwelling in him than we have in us? I think not. I think the same Holy Spirit that dwells in Paul, that dwelt in Paul, now dwells in every believer. We have the same power. We have the same calling. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Lord in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Go, he said. We have the same one. Paul was chosen by the Lord. Yes, he was. Absolutely chosen by the Lord. 
Paul writes this great letter to the Ephesians, and in Ephesians 1s he has this to say about that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. You've been called. You've been called. You're in the army now. You're in the Lord's army now. So buckle up the bootstraps, pull your pants up, and go out there and be Christ. Show someone Jesus Christ. Don't worry about the cost. The cost is guarded by your heavenly Father, but they might hurt me. Yeah, well, look what they did to Christ. They might kill me. Well, the way I look at it, that could probably be a win-win. Because if they kill you, you're with God. You're with Christ. You're with Jesus. You're in heaven. But if they don't kill you and they hear your message, guess what? Someone else comes in. Someone else hears the message. Someone else comes in. Wouldn't you want somebody to come to you and go, whatever it is you have, I want. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Could our lives be such an example of Jesus Christ? Could our lives be such an example of God's love to people that they would actually want it? that they would actually go out of their way to, to come to you and ask for it? What do you have? I want it. Well, I go to church seven times a week, and I, uh, I study the Bible nine times out of the day, and I give to the poor, and I do it. No, 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 no. What you have is a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what you have. Don't build the blocks on them. Don't put these walls that they can't scale. It's simple, very simple. Christ came to earth. The Son of Man, God incarnate. Christ died on the cross for our sins, taking away our sins. Christ rose from the dead. The gospel. We are saved for those who believe upon him and call upon his name. We are saved. Hallelujah. We want others to have that. I don't know about you, but I want to see all your faces in heaven. All your faces. And I want to see all their faces too. I want to see all my family's faces. I want to see all my friends' faces. My children, their children. I want to see those faces in heaven. It's my heart's desire that I see them. The one desire I have. Do you know him, Jesus Christ, in that way today? Are you assured of your place in heaven do you have assurance of salvation, assurance of the forgiveness of sins, assurance of eternal life? Do you? If you don't, you can have that. It is yours for the taking. It is yours. God wants you to have that. God wants you to come back to him. God wants you in his life. And he desperately wants to be in yours. Desperately. He wants to be the one commanding the ship and running your life. And let me tell you from one who's been on the other, who was on the other side for a long time. Wow. This is so much better being on this side. So much better being on this side. If you don't have that insurance, you can get it today. You are assured. 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? He met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.